0: Charles Blondine, he was one of the greatest tightrope walkers in the history of the world. And one of his greatest feats was walking the the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, 11,000 feet long, 160 feet above the water. And this he accomplished a number of times and, and always with different theatric variations. Blindfolded, in a sack, pushing a wheelbarrow on stilts, carrying a man on his back, and sitting down one time midway while he made and ate an omelet. And one day after he had pushed a wheelbarrow across the the Niagara Falls and come back on that tightrope, he asked a question. How many of you believe that I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and push him across the tightrope? And everybody cheered and yelled and screamed and everybody believed. And then he asked for a volunteer. And the crowd grew very, very quiet. Until one man stepped out of the crowd and got in the wheelbarrow. There's a difference between the crowd. Regards to God. Where are you? In the crowd? Saying, oh, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. I believe there's a new world coming. Are you in the wheelbarrow? You know, it doesn't really make much difference when you're standing on shore. It makes a lot of difference halfway across the tightrope and in our everyday experiences in our life in our choices in our our waking up going through our days and going back to bed we can play it safe we can stay in the boat we can maintain our comfort zone or we can walk on the water with Jesus but if you want to walk on the water you've got to get out of the boat what do you think about what are you connected to what's driving you what's motivating you what makes you make the choices you make who is most important in your life not in your words not out of your mouth but out of your life hello
1: hey i can see you guys how are you For those of you wondering why Doug was up here singing but not up here preaching, I wonder that as well. No, actually, Doug is taking a steady break, a much-needed steady break. If you guys knew how much a pastor has to do for his flock, they need breaks every now and again. And I get the honor of being able to preach in front of you guys today, and I look forward to the opportunity. The last few weeks, Doug has led us on a journey of discovery. He has walked us down a path of not only learning what the spiritual gifts are, But more importantly, helping us begin to figure out which ones we may have or which ones we may not have. Those of us who are in small groups, and I would strongly encourage all of you to be part of that, are taking that even further, and we're learning specifically how we can use our gifts to impact the kingdom of God and to impact New Life Community Church in the Palestinian area as well. So what now? Where do we go from here? I suspect that in each and every one of us, there's a fear welling up inside as we begin to think about being used for the glory of God. Little old me wants to be used by God to impact his kingdom. We feel the pull of the Spirit leading us down a path we are very, very, very uncomfortable with. We're beginning to understand that God is going to take us out of our comfort zone and sometimes remove us from those comfortable places in our life. We are discovering that we are going to have to face some fears to serve the Lord. Whether it was the fear of the dark or swimming as a child or the fear of flying or something else as an adult, we all have had those fears that we have had to face. Life played out in such a way that we end up facing the thing that scared us the most. Take about 30 seconds here to write on your sheet what is one of your fears? And as as I'm continuing further, if something comes to mind, please write it down. I want to take some time this morning to look at this idea of God's calling and the fears that we have to face to actually be with Jesus. Matthew 14 is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, and and there's a a passage in there that we're going to study this morning. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was by... he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. That's Matthew fourteen twenty three to 30. There are seven things we will need to learn if we want to become water walkers like Peter and follow Jesus when he says, come. The first thing, water walkers notice God's presence. Matthew 14, verse 26 to 27, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. How many of us this morning need to hear that, do not be afraid? We cannot live out God's purpose for our lives if we do not take time to recognize his presence in our lives. In this passage, the disciples saw him walking on the water. Initially, there was fear because they were not sure what they were witnessing. They are not sure what their eyes were seeing. The same thing can happen to us in our lives. We begin to get a glimpse of the calling that Jesus gives us, and the fear settles in, and we begin to think, is, I'm, am I actually seeing or am I actually hearing what I think I'm hearing? But as above, in all those situations, Jesus will make it very clear to us that it is him, And he will tell us, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Part of this idea is realizing the gifts that God has given us, and that's something Doug has led us through. Jesus is the Lord of our gifts, not you. He's the one that gave them to you. He has given them to you for him to be glorified, not you to be glorified. Fear will keep you in the boat because you think your calling is not as noble or not as important as somebody else. I'm not an evangelist, so I'm not important. I'm not a person with the service gift, so I'm not important. God is the one who gave you the gift. Jesus can take your gift, the calling he has given you, and make an eternal difference. All you have to do is come. Number two, water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. That's Matthew 14, verses 28 to 29. The next step involved in living out our calling is the ability to discern the call. There is a big difference between being faithful to Jesus and living out our calling and being foolish. To be successful for the kingdom, it will take wisdom and it will take discernment. Wisdom is needed to truly know what our calling is and discernment is needed to know if it is a God-given calling or a passion that I've come up with or something that I really would like to do. There's a difference. A desire is something that we burn in our hearts. Our desires can be things like money, recognition, control, honor, praise. Those are things that we desire. That's something that we burn in our hearts. A calling is something that we receive from God. Your calling you receive, your desire you come up with. It will take a ruthless honesty about our gifts and limitations to properly serve the kingdom. I've seen it over and over again, and I've done it over and over again. I know you guys have too. You get excited about something, you get passionate about something. You come up with a desire that you've decided on your own, and you run forth to do it. And a lot of times it doesn't work out, and that begins to burn us for service in the kingdom. Wisdom and discernment. You will be ready to answer and react when Jesus says, come. Number three, water walkers actually get out of the boat. Believe it or not, Jesus or Peter wouldn't have been a water walker had he stayed in the boat. And he said, come, and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. It's Matthew 14, verse 29. I want you to put yourself in their situation just for a moment. It is nighttime and the wind is roaring and the waves are crashing over the boat, and you are being asked to step out of the boat into that uncertainty. I believe for many of you this morning, this is your situation, You're in the boat and the waves are crashing and Jesus is asking you to step out. You're beginning to recognize what God is doing in your life. You see glimpses of where he wants to take you. And now you are faced with the decision of a lifetime. Do I stay or do I go? I was called out of the boat. In the summer of 2006, I had the pleasure of starting in 2004, I was able to start at the church I was at, the junior high program. You know, they, had, they had one meeting, the youth pastor at the time started that one meeting with the full intent of me taking the program over. And so by week two, I took the program over, and for the next two years, I served the junior high. Hey, that's nice While doing that, I had a full-time career. I was in construction. I was a a bridge guy for the Toll World Project. So I'd work my 40 hours a week bridge job. Started out strictly volunteer in 2004. Worked my way up by 2006 to part-time. Full-time construction, part-time ministry, and a very loving and understanding wife because her husband was not around much. Well, things began to change because they had gone through, by that time in those two years, they had gone through three separate youth pastors had asked me if I would just begin to teach some of the lessons with the senior high. I was there, I was doing things, they asked me. I decided I'm going to do one, and I'm going to absolutely hate it because I like junior high kids and not senior high kids. That's what I had told myself anyway. Did it for about two or three months. And kind of did both. I did junior high. For me, for our church, the junior high was on Monday, the senior high was on Wednesday. We had them separated. So I would do junior high Monday nights, go to work, do the senior high Wednesday nights. Well, in the summer of 2006, the church asked me to be the full time youth pastor. So I had a decision to make. I had to go from an $85,000 a year job to a $30,000 a year job with no benefits and a family of five. I struggled with the opportunity. Fear began to well up inside me and I strongly considered turning it down. Very, very, very strongly. Considered turning it down. Then Tuesday happened. I was on my lunch break and in the construction they would take lunch and I would go off and that's when I would read my Bible or just time to be with the Lord. And I remember very clearly it had rained all morning, it was a cloudy day, and I'm eating lunch. And worship music. It's playing. And I'm in the middle of prayer, and literally the clouds open up. And I kid you not, it's like a movie. The clouds open up, and the sun shines in. And the Lord tells me, Do you trust me? I'm like, What? He's like, Do you trust me? If you trust me, get out of the boat. In that moment, God was forcing me to face my fears. I was afraid of not only failing as a youth pastor, but failing as a husband and a father as well. I believe firmly some of you guys are here today in that same position. The boat is safe, secure, and comfortable. The boat is something we are used to. Even if it is not necessarily good for us, we know what to expect in our boat. My boat may be a bad habit, but at least I know how to handle the habit. I know what to expect from the habit. The water is where life is. What is your boat this morning? If you are not sure, your boat is the thing that brings you the most fear when you think about leaving it behind. Maybe it's a career, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something else. But when you think about leaving it behind, what brings that fear welling up inside of you? That is your boat. Leaving your boat may be the hardest thing God ever asked you to do. And I promise you, it will be one of the hardest things he asks you to do. But if you do not get out of the boat, you cannot walk on the water when Jesus says, come. Number four, water walkers expect problems. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Matthew 14, verse 31. We have all seen the wind, right? We start a new adventure like a new job or a new relationship or a new move with hope and excitement. Maybe you've answered the call to serve in the church and you are raring to go. After a while, the trouble starts in and the opposition begins to set in. All of a sudden, in that moment, we see the wind. And we are gripped with fear. It should come as no surprise because we know that this world is filled with trouble, yet every time it happens, we are surprised by it. And every time it happens, it impacts us. It is the trouble that we face that will keep us in the boats that we are in today. Those who go on adventures with God expect the problems to come. Those who go on adventures with God do not let the problems keep them in the boat. Those who go on adventures with God realize that there is something more, there's sometimes more danger staying in the boat than there is getting out of the boat. Water walkers expect problems to be part of the call to come. Number five, water walkers see failure as an opportunity to grow. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? I bet you there's many of us in this room had Jesus has told us that as well. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus helps Peter out of the water and then points out to him what his problem was in that moment. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Through the failure of Peter on the water, Jesus showed him where he could grow the most and what area he had the most growth to do in. Through the water walking experience, Peter grew in Christ. He had a relationship with Christ that nobody else in that boat had at that moment. Peter got out, failed, and grew from the failure. The same can be said for us. Getting out of the boat and walking on the water sets us up to fail. Putting yourself in a position to fail is putting yourself in a position to grow. Failure does not shape you. The way you respond to failure is what shapes you. Besides, failure is all based on attitude and perspective. Sir Edmund Hillary, who you guys may know is the first one to climb Mount Everest, said immediately after an unsuccessful climb while shaking his fist at Mount Everest, I will defeat you because you are as big as you'll get and I am still growing. Taking a risk in life will sometimes result in failure. But staying in the boat is a bigger failure because we grow when we answer the call to come. Number six, water walking teaches us how to wait on the Lord. I'm sure everybody in here has heard of Mother Teresa. Well, part of her story, while she was on a train going to Calcutta, in 1946, received the call to start her Sisters of Mercy ministry. That's a very clear call. She writes about it in her diary, very clear that God told her to start this. It took two years before the church would even let her go to Calcutta. Two years of constant letter letter writing to those in charge to say, this is the call God has given me, I need to go. It took another two years before she was able to start her work. It was four years of waiting on the Lord before she started the Sisters of Mercy charity. A very important lesson is learned when we begin to trust the Lord enough to take the step into the water. It will not work if Jesus is not involved. If Jesus didn't say, come, and Peter got out, he wouldn't have walked on the water. And that's the thing we have to realize, is we have to let Jesus call us out onto the water and not just run and jump into the water. Even more importantly, sometimes we have to live in the storm to be willing to walk on the water. When we imagine, I'm this way, when I imagine walking on the water, I want that smooth, crystal clear glass lake that you can see to the bottom. That's what I want to walk on. That's not what Peter had. Peter had waves and storms and wind and rain and all sorts of stuff going on. The disciples were battered by the storm until three in the morning before Jesus showed up. Why did he not come get them right away? Why did the Savior make them wait it out? They, like us, had to learn to wait on the Lord to receive the power to walk on the water. They, like us, have to wait for the Lord to make the storm disappear. Waiting on the Lord is what gives us the strength to do what he is asking us to do. Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous men stumble badly, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Waiting is trusting, and trusting leaves us vulnerable. This idea becomes even more magnified when we begin to understand our gifts and how God made us, and when we want to use those gifts, and when we want to serve him. The problem is that out of our excitement, we run ahead of God, and I'm guilty of this all the time. God tells me something, ooh, I'm going to go do it. God didn't tell me what to do, he just told me something. I have a feeling there's many of you in here who'd like that as well. That sometimes can result in us never seeming to find our fit in service. And I hear it all the time from people. I've tried to serve and it doesn't work. So I'm not meant to serve. Everybody's meant to serve. You just ran ahead of God. Peter was able to walk on the water because he waited long enough for the Lord to call him. I know you want to serve and want to be used by the Lord. But I would like to ask that you wait long enough to hear the words, Come. Number seven. Water walking brings a deeper connection with God. And this is the ultimate goal of walking on the water. Jesus is looking for people who will answer the call and get out of the boat. He gave you the gifts you have so that his kingdom would be magnified and his name would be glorified. Stepping out of the boat puts us in a position to fail. And so if that's the case... Why should we risk the safety of our boats and step out onto the stormy water? It's the only way to grow. You cannot grow if you don't step out of the boat. It's the only way that true faith develops. Peter had a different level of faith because he not only stepped out, he not only walked, but when he started to sink, Jesus caught him. And it's part of discovering and obeying your calling. The water is where Jesus is, and getting out of the boat is the only way to get to him. Peter got to experience not only walking on the water, but a closeness to Jesus that the other disciples did not and never were able to. If he had not stepped in, Jesus could not have pulled him out. Peter connected with God in a way that very few of us have. Getting out of the boat will allow for an intensely deep connection with our Jesus. This connection will allow us to be successful in whatever God is asking us to do. And wherever he's asking us to serve. If you desire a deep connection with Jesus Christ, simply go when he says come. So, what now? Some of this stuff has come. There's a book written by John Ortberg called If You Want to Get Out of the Water, or If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Step Out of the Boat. And, and that inspired this as well as Matthew 14. He says in that book, We tend to seek a world of comfort. We try to construct manageable lives with some security and predictability to maintain the illusion that we are in control. Then God passes us by and shakes everything up. The call to get out of the boat involves crisis, opportunity, often failure, generally fear, sometimes suffering, and always the calling to a task that is way too big for us. But there is no other way to grow faith and partner with God than to step out of the boat. Many of us right now are in the fear stage. I can see it. You know what God is calling you to do. And even more so, you know that He is calling for you to change something in your life right now, sitting here this morning. There's one thing that God is telling you to change. There may be a few of you in here who are facing problems and wondering if you made the right decision. There may even be a fewer amount of you who have suffered a failure and are wondering how is this going to help me to grow? All I can say is keep up the faith. Stay focused on the Lord. You will find strength to continue as you wait on Him. I believe we are being called out of the boat, and we all have to make a decision this morning. I cannot tell you what decision to make or what your decision is. I can tell you your decision is the most important decision you'll ever have to make right now. Your decision isn't any less important than somebody else's or any more important than somebody else's. Every decision is a major decision. But I can tell you two things will happen when you make that decision. Sometimes you will fail and sink. But every now and again, you will get to walk on the water with Jesus. What do you want to do this morning? I'm going to show the Voice of Truth video, and I don't intentionally pick casting crown songs. But they seem to fit with my messages every time. So as I show this video, you guys know what the words, I don't think the words are going to be up there, but you guys know this song. I'm asking you right now to step out of the boat and come to the front where Jesus is. So as the song is playing, if you made the decision to step out, come up to the front and worship God. Come up to the front and kneel. Come up to the front and praise him. Come up to the front and pray him. But step out of the boat. And then when the song's done, I'll close in prayer. We've got people who have stepped out of the boat, guys. If anybody wants to come up and just put your hands on them as we pray, please do so. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we praise you, Father God, for the decisions made here this morning, Father. People have answered the call to come. And I praise you for that, Father God. For they are now going to begin a journey with Jesus, with you, that they can't even possibly imagine, Father God. In this moment right now, comfort them. In this moment right now, give them the confidence to know that they have made the right decision by following you, Father. Father God, their lives are about to be changed. They're now going to leave this place completely and totally different than when they left, Father God, because they've had that moment with you. That moment of comfort, that moment of peace, that moment of clarity. We get so few, it seems like, Father God, when things are so clear, but you have given people that moment this morning, Father. And I thank you, Lord. Father God, we just want to be a church here at New Life who just loves you, Father. That's all we want. It's very simple, it's very easy, Father God. We just want to love you. And by loving you, we just don't understand the impact that's going to have on our community. But you do. Doug always says he wants New Life to be a light, a shining light on the hill, Father God, and that can only happen if we love you and if we trust you. And so, Father, I just lift up everyone in here to you right now. For those who have made the decision, I praise you for them. For for those who have heard the call, Father God, but don't know what to do, I praise you for them. For those who are are just in limbo, God, don't know if you're calling them, don't know what you're saying, don't know if it's the enemy, don't know if it's their own selfish desires, Father. I praise you for them as well. Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you are mighty. And as the song says, Father, you are the only voice of truth that we have in this world. So, Father God, I ask that you make that voice so clear that it drowns everything else out, Father. Even if the voice is a whisper, may it be the loudest thing we hear in our hearts and our minds and in our spirits this morning right now. Father, I praise you for the opportunity to be in your presence. I praise you for the opportunity to be here in front of all these people. And Father God, I praise you because you are God and you are holy. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.